Good morning. morning. Welcome home. Children's church time, so uh, if you're a children, you can go. Johnny, show everybody your cast. Toughest guy, broke his arm, doing great, being healed. Go praise God for you. We're proud of you. You're going to be great. You're going to bring it back so we can all sign it when it gets final? Yeah? Okay. Love you, bud. You don't have to break your arm to get that kind of attention, so just raise your hand if you need attention. We'll do it without the arm thing. Uh, Glad you're here. Please turn. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to Genesis chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, you'd like to use a Bible. There might be a Bible under the seat in front of you. That is yours to use during this service or to use during the rest of your life if you need one. Um, that's yours to keep, take it home. This week is week two of our Christmas series. It's called We Need Christmas. And throughout We Need Christmas, we're taking a look at the Old Testament and the New and seeing how the birth, the arrival, the incarnation of Jesus Christ that we celebrate at Christmas meets our deepest needs from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of our lives and allows us to celebrate Um, with a joy that we haven't had because we see him and experience him in a bigger way. This week is we need Christmas because we need an ark. Did you hear that, Mabel? That chubby preacher man with the bald spots in his beard, he even he thinks I need a boat this Christmas. I, I didn't say that. I said you need an ark. And the bald spot comment was unnecessary. So. <laughs> now, we all know a thing or two about arcs, don't we? Don't we? Because even if we're not followers of Jesus Christ, even if we don't believe in God any more than we believe in the tooth fairy, chances are that somebody taught you or you retold or you know the story of Noah's Ark. Am I right? Show of hands. If you have ever owned as a child or given to your child either a book or a play set of Noah's Ark. Okay, nearly everybody and a couple of liars. So, <laughs> no, it's cool because we're going to be talking about it. Here's the thing. Facebook. It's a what? Play on oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> I think, no, you know, because now... I'm going to get like posts. This person got two animals. I got to get two posts and it's okay. God bless you. That's, that's all part of the fall, but we won't get into that during this, during this message. Um, here's the thing. We need, I think we feel, to get our kids these things, to learn these things. Because if you didn't have a Noah's Ark playset or Noah's Ark book, how would you learn the names of all the animals, Right? Isn't that how you learn them? How would you sing chart-topping favorites like two by two, two by two, right? Isn't that what we do with them? I don't know that that's the real point, though. See, and here's, here's what, you know, I'm trying to make sense of this as I think about it. Why, why do we give our kids Noah's Ark play sets? Why do we, why do we so eager to teach them that, that story? It's, the, it's like the highest body count story in the Bible. It's, it's, it's full of re- carnage. It's full of violence. It's, it's, it, you know, it's about rescue, yeah, but rescue, a lot of people didn't make it. 
You know? I mean, it, it, it's kind of akin to showing your kids Saw 5 when they're three years old. Good night. You know, did you buy your kid on their third birthday the 9-11 Lego playset? Caution, flammable. No. Okay. Oh, stop. Okay. I repent. I do. I do. Here's the thing. Everybody, almost everybody dies in that story. Noah's Ark. And I think maybe some of the problem is that Fisher Price didn't put all the pieces in the playset. You know, where are all the animals that float around and didn't make it? Where are all the... I mean, they should give you like a, a bag of 10,000 like army men or weebles or something to float around in your tub version while, while the happy animals are in the, are in the thing. We're going to start with the text before I really get in trouble. Um, you're going to see that this is, this is good news. There is always good news. But sometimes we need to better understand the bad news so that we can be really, really joyful in the good news. Um, you're going to see why. Uh, Genesis chapter 6. Here's the, here's the story. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. The, Lord's, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Okay, did he say they were always misbehaving? They were always wearing jeans to church? They were, no. The problem was every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord by grace. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. God is going to call us to walk with him in a certain place to a certain destination this morning. Verse 10, And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Imagine that. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Now, stop there for a second. Noah has two things to do. First thing, he has to find out what gopher wood is. Some other translations have cypress. Okay, and Noah, before we just scan right over this, God comes to Noah and tells him, build me an ark, an ark. Now, I know a lot of you guys in here are in the construction trade, your contract, you're very handy people. God bless you. You're like Jesus in that fashion, right? I, on the other hand, could not make an ark out of Legos. I can't put together anything. But my wife can. Yes. In fact, she built all the rooms on the second floor of our house. Come and see it. 
call first because, you know, so we can hide things but, um, and get dressed. <laughs> it's Christmas. What are you going to do? Bust me? Right? Have some grace. She fixes everything. She charges me $53.75 an hour for it, too. That's just a joke in our house. I'll get home. She goes, $53.75. I have to figure out what she did. She can fix everything. You know what I do? I hand her tools. But I'm good at it. So if God came to my front door and knocked, and I came to the door, he'd say, Tom, we need to build an ark. Is Sheree home? So he God goes to know it says we need to build an ark, continuing in 14. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to make the length of the ark. 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. And now Noah has something else to do. He has to find out what a cubit is, but he knows. And it turns out that a cubit is about 18 inches, about a foot and a half. So this is one big old boat. This is a football field and a half long. This is big. God knows, what I want to take away from uh, here is God knows the specs, the specifications that would fit everyone who would be rescued. If you look at the Bible, from the first pages of Genesis to the maps in the back, it's a story of God on a search and rescue mission. For us. Problem is, sometimes we don't want to be found and rescued. So we want to get past that. We want to get past that. And God knows the amount of space needed for everyone who is going to come and allow themselves to be found and rescued. He made sure there was enough room. Verse 16, make a roof for the ark. Finish <laughs> Picture if they left that out. <laughs> yeah. uh, finish it with a cubit above and, and set the door of the ark on its side. Make it with a lower second and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you'll sh- you shall come into the ark. That is important. If you're an underliner, you shall come into the ark. Your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into the you to keep them alive, to keep them alive. Skip down to seven, chapter seven, verse four. For in seven days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. What I want you to see from this is God is in control of the length and the severity of the storm. God will not bring a storm into your life that he has also not provided an escape, a shelter, an ark. We're going to see how that's Jesus. You're in seven. 
We're going to finish up this story just kind of summarizing it. Go down to verse um, 20. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all mankind, everything on dry land, in whose nostrils was a breath of life, died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him on the ark. Only those in the ark made it. Okay, um, God has a choice. God had a choice. God has a choice. Um, you have a choice. If, um, if you want to make a beautiful place setting and you, you get clay and, and a wheel, I, I don't know how you come up with this shape. Something goes horribly wrong, I think, somewhere. But it was made by my son when, when um, I don't, it doesn't have a date on it, but it's a long time ago. Um, and, and it's beautiful in its way, but you have a choice. You can either throw it out um, if it doesn't turn out the way it was supposed to, or you can do something to bring it to life, to give it newness. Um, I brought this up here to um, remind you of what my insides look like. Um, to remind you of what your insides look like. Okay? Our hearts, the part that God looks at. See, some of us scrub the outside in, in more attractive ways. Cole, you were killing it with your hair. <laughs> but regardless of how our appearance um, is we're supposed to be place settings for the king. And, and, and here we are. And he can either smash it or make it new. Um, and that's the choice. Before God, everyone and everything else, did you see that? Died. Here's the problem. God did it. God did it. And we're uncomfortable with that. And I think this is the real reason that when we talk about Noah and the ark, we'd rather play in the tub and sing two by two, two by two. What about the animals that didn't win the cruise of a lifetime? What about the people who didn't get in the ark? God did it. Say, my God didn't do that. God is love. Amen. Yes, you betcha. Yes, he is perfect love. And God is justice. And that's true too. And here's the problem. I want God to be just. Just not with me. I mean, don't we really? We have like a love affair with justice, don't we? I mean, we should. If God wasn't just, he wouldn't be God. And he's calling us to spend e eternity with him in a place. Can you imagine what, how much would you want to be in his presence if they're still backbiting and hurting and people attacking one another and hate and, and every, every evil that we experience here? 
We want God to be just and to make everything right. I just don't want him to start with me. But we do love justice. I mean, think about it. One of the shows that Shree and I enjoy watching is uh, Law and Order SVU or SUV. I, I'm never really sure. Special Victims Unit. Do you, do you, anybody seen that? Yeah, thank you for being brave in church. Um, the thing is, people in the beginning of that show do horrible, horrific things to each other. And the great thing is that at the end, they always come to justice. They're always caught. They always do time. They always. Can you imagine the outrage? The viewership would plummet if every time you tuned into that show and you saw these unspeakable evils done, done to people and in the end, everybody got off scot-free. That would be a tragedy. Think about the person you love the most. If you're a parent, it might be a child. It might be your spouse. It might be a friend. It might be um, your parent. It might be, I don't know who it is, but imagine the worst evil done to them repeatedly and never brought to justice. Something in your heart would cry out for justice. We want justice. We want God to make everything right. Here's the problem though. He's going to. And doing so, he has to eliminate everything that stands between what is and what needs to be. And I'm on that list. And so are you. We stand as we are, even the best of us, as part of the problem. And so God has this dilemma. I must be just. I must remake all of creation. But to do that, to be that, I have to destroy that which I love? All these people? To be perfectly loving, I have to have a response to that. That's not okay. I have to be both perfectly just. I have to be both perfectly loving. And that's where we find Jesus as our ark. And that's what we celebrate. I want you to see that um, if we were to go on into chapter eight, the, the, this is like a parenthetical. You're getting this for free, okay? <laughs> you get what you pay for. <laughs> In chapter eight, the waters, right? They're over all the mountains. They're over all the mountains. They even crested butte and, the, and, and Kilimanjaro and Agakatu, eh, all, all the stuff. They start to recede over time. And, and the longest mud season ever in creation, you know what that's like if you've lived through April here, comes to an end. And the land dries out. Now, skip forward thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And we now have high-priced researchers and, and very learned people who now come up with the science and go, yes, um, we finally found out that the uh, sediments over time, this, this planet was, was at one time millions and billions and trillions and zillions of years ago, covered with uh, water. And as it receded, as, as the land came up, a lot of the sediments uh, in the various strata 
uh, were formed, and uh, the higher density materials at the bottom, and blah, 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 blah. God bless science. It is not the enemy of the Bible. But I got a C minus in earth science. I might have a problem with your timeline, but the water part and the sediment part, I bet you had a book in your house that gave you the answer with all of that, without all of that trouble. Science is catching up with the Bible. How about that? How about that? Okay. Um, that's just a parenthetical. Uh, bottom line is you and I need a place where we're safe, where we're secure, where neither storm nor anything else can touch you, can touch me. A place of refuge, a place of shelter, a place of escape. A safe room, if you've ever seen that movie. If you're hyper-emotional, a happy place, right? That you can go to. And here's the thing, that place you need to be able to count on at all times, in all circumstances, against all threats. And that place is not your house. That place is not your kitchen. That place is not your man cave, if you're fortunate enough to have one. That place is not the internet. That place is not the last chance timbers or, God forbid, the Alamo. That place is not the mall. That place is not any of those things. There is only one place of safety, and that is in the ark. That is in Christ. And as we will see, there is enough room for you and for me. And we celebrate that this Christmas. Think about it. In the days of Noah, the only ones who made it through were in the ark. Don't you think other people had other plans? I've got a powerboat. I ain't getting in that ark. This one goes faster. I'm a good swimmer. Yeah, try treading water for 40 days, 40 white nights, no food. Michael Phelps would be toast, right? <laughs> Nobody else makes it. God wants everybody to make it, but only in the ark. Jesus is our ark, our security, our hiding place, and he came at Christmas because we need an ark. Jesus is the ark. And here, it's gonna start to come full circle, right? You got the bad news, and everybody's like, oh, how you tell us that? How you 9-11? Okay, here it is. In Jesus, God can be fully just and fully loving, only in Jesus can he be fully just and fully loving. Only in Jesus can, can God destroy evil and not destroy us. Only in Jesus can God kill sin and not kill sinners. Only in Jesus can God crush rebellion and not crush the rebel. You and me. Why? Because Jesus came, God in the flesh, and God allowed himself to be destroyed and killed and crushed on the cross in our place as our ark. That's what we celebrate. That has come. He became the evil, the rebel, the sin, and absorbed 
the wrath of God fully for those who are in the ark. That's good news. Everything bad, if you are in Christ, everything bad, if you belong to him, you never have to say, is this the wrath of God? Nope. I can say categorically, it is not. Why? Because he absorbed it all. He absorbed it all for those who put their faith in him. Do you have to wrestle with the bad things in your life if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you've entered the ark, if you will? Is this the wrath of God on my life? Nope. He paid it. You will not experience the wrath of God. In Revelation, when we go back after the new year, you're going to see some horrific things. They will come from two sources. Satan and God. Some will be the attacks of Satan and some will be the righteous wrath of God. Always calling people to come back into safety, to come to escape, to, to come into the ark. The most horrendous things you're going to see are the wrath of God. And guess what? I deserve it. You deserve it. But we don't have to have it. And he doesn't want us to have it. So Jesus is our ark. Just as the people in Noah's time needed to get into the ark to live, all of us need to get into the ark of Jesus to make it. And the ark just pulled up to the driveway of your heart. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Jesus says himself, he tells a story of two houses. And we need to listen to it because it's, it's, it's really good because it involves a storm. Now, before the storm, they, they each pretty much look the same. Matthew chapter 7, 24. Jesus says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew, that's the storm, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew, and that's the storm, and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall and Jesus did not clap when that house fell, he wept because it did not need to. And these houses might have looked just as cute and have as much curb appeal and been as spacious and as tricked out as each other. But there's something inside. There's something underneath. It depends upon what they were built on. It depends upon how they dwelt, their very foundation, their ark, if you will. And one survived and one didn't. Now, both of these houses heard, right? This house hears, this house hears, right? They both heard. They both frequented church, listened to occasional podcasts, tried not to sleep through Tom's long sermons. They, they heard the word of God. One house did what God said. The other did not. One thought hearing was enough. The other said, well, I, I better do business with God. And what is he saying? Don't wear shorts to church. No. 
Don't get a tattoo. No. Don't smoke, drink, dance, or chew. Go with girls who do. No. Primarily, saying I'm on a search and rescue mission for those who do not want to be found, for those who do not want to be rescued, and at the end of the day, don't deserve it. But here's the thing. I love them. I love them like they were my only. So much that I'm going to destroy myself rather than destroy them. I'm going to drown so that they, so that I can hold them up. I'm going to give them a life sentence and a death sentence. And then before they walk the last green mile, I'm going to interrupt them and say, go free. I'm going to the chair because I love you. That's the gospel. And Jesus did not only die, he rose again so that we might not return to life as normal, but to begin to experience, begin to experience the paradise that he promised to the thief on the cross right here, right now. Not wait until we stop breathing here and flatline and then you get this glorious, no, he's unpacking it in the lives of those who belong to him right now. And if you're not experiencing that, um, you can. Jesus is pleading with you and me. He is pleading with us to get into the ark. Here's what it looks like. He gives us a different word picture. It's very powerful. Oh my. My how time flies when you're having God, right? Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 23. This is the last scripture I'll share and then we'll, we'll start to lay on the plane. So put out your cigarettes and fasten your seatbelts. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Jesus is pleading with us. Here he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said, that's not my name. Oh, yeah, it is. That's us. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children. That's us again. Together. How? Watch this. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not. You would not what? you would not come. How does a hen gather her children under her wings? Like this. How often, how often, all the time, I would have gathered you underneath my wings to protect you you, to keep you. Why, when does, now this is going to creep some of the guys out who are all macho, you know. It's okay. God loves you like a mother hen. Deal with it. 
When does the mother hen want to gather the chicks? Want to sit on the eggs and be when, when, when the winds are blowing, when there's a threat coming, when there's a predator near, when there's danger. What does that say? What that says is, if anything is going to get to you, it has to go through me first. If anyone wants to touch the ones I love, it's going to be over my dead body. And that is exactly what Jesus said. Exactly. You know, it's not uncommon when we hear of these um, forest fires, when things get really dry, and it's not uncommon um, for them in, in, in rural areas to, in the brush, these firefighters, to find a, a hen that is on the nest, scorched to death as the fire whipped through. And they will tip her over, and sometimes out will run the chicks who are allowed to live because the mother hen said, Nothing is going to touch you over my dead body. That is the love that Jesus has for us. How often I would have gathered you and your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you'd rather face the fire and the danger alone. How often? Every, every minute of every day, of every day. Not just the storm of God making things right. Some of you are in a storm right now. Financially, socially, with your self-image, with, with your hope, with addictions, with where do you run? Where's your safe house? Where's your room? Well, I'm a Christian. Years and years and years ago, I said a prayer. I signed a card. I walked an aisle. I said a prayer. Good. Did you also then leave and, and, and find your safety for the day-to-day storms in other things, even good things? Or when you made Jesus your Savior, when you declared him your shelter, when you received him as your Lord, did you say, no matter what comes, you are going to be where I run. You are going to be where I hide. You are going to be my protection, my safe house, my security, my sanctuary, the place under your arms where, where nothing can touch me that doesn't go through you first. Here's the bottom line too. Your shelter, your ark is not necessarily what you and I say it is. It's where we run all the time. Yeah, well, for day-to-day stuff, you know, I run here, I go to this. But if things get really bad, I'd run to Jesus. Sounds good. This says it's not a question of the severity of the storm. It's a question of the condition of your heart. You either see him as your shelter or you don't. It's where you run frequently, not where you say it is how often I would have gathered you. More often than you will ever need it. More often than you'd ever desire it. And for those who want to be warriors and fight the good fight of faith, you need a fortress to do that. You can't fight if you're a corpse. 
Jesus is your fortress. We need to run to the ark. And we need to go there when the sun is shining. You think about like our hiding places. If I know um, my friend Jim and Rachel used to live in like Tornado Alley, right? If you're prone to, if you live in a place that's prone to those things, you know where your hiding spot is and you go there frequently when it's sunny. Because if you don't know how to do that when times are good and you're not making that part of, part of who you are, what you do, you're not going to run there when, when things are bad. You're going to be about other things. Um, maybe you're in a storm now. Maybe, maybe you know that the storm that's coming, um, you're not ready for. Maybe you know that um, Jesus is on a search and rescue mission and you don't want to be found because you don't like what he'll find. What he wants to find is not you behaving badly. You're not going to hear this in many churches, but you need to hear it because it's the truth of God. The fact that you are willing to be found is so much more important than the condition you're willing to be found in. He is not looking for a reason to bust you. He's looking for a willingness for you to let him bring you home to safety. And therefore, everybody who is on that video, the addicted, the condemned, the doubtful, the hurt, the ones who have all the wreckage, are in the ark, are allowed in, because what saved Noah was not his righteousness, but what was around him, the God who protected him. And just the same, there will be good people who will not be rescued, and there will be bad people who are. Because ultimately, even the most beautiful of us is this. And he's saying, It doesn't matter anymore where you've been. It doesn't matter anymore what you've done. It doesn't matter anymore how you've lost hope. It doesn't matter anymore. It's paid. Come home. That's what matters. It's Christmas. What does that mean? That means that the ark has just pulled up to the driveway of your heart. And there is room enough for me. And there is room enough for you. And in that, in him, is life and safety that will see you through the storm and deliver you into a new world that will never ever die. Unless you have better plans. Well, you say we get in. Let's pray. God, I confess um, my resistance to share the ugly parts of the truth. When all they do is help us appreciate you better.
be more grateful, be more happy in our desperation that you are God and I'm a wreck. That's a beautiful place. Lord, the storm is worse than we feared, but you are more loving and merciful and gracious than we ever dreamed. Lord, as you press on our hearts, let us repent of even good things that we have used as our ark, as our place of escape, as our safety. Um, and let us run and not run alone into the ark of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son on a rescue mission for me and for all. Let us get in. Oh, you're so good. And we're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer um, for this or anything else, there are people around you who'll be willing to pray with you. I am. You can find me up here. We'll just talk and pray if you'd like. Um, the altar's open if you want to use that. You've heard. I've heard. And then now we respond. He says, come home. I got life waiting for you here. 